Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. The president of the Ontario Medical Association is in town today in Hamilton to discuss health care issues and also the uh, recreational marijuana issue with local physicians. Uh, taking a break uh, from a number of meetings that she's got scheduled today to talk with us, which is always uh, a welcome pleasure. Dr. Nadia Alam, president of the OMA, welcome back to the Bill Kelly Show. It's good to talk with you, doctor. Hi, Bill. Call me Nadia. Uh, okay, I will. Thanks so much. Uh, <laughs> what's what's the purpose of the trip today? So the trip today is part of the Ontario Medical Association presence for the OMA. The Ontario Medical Association holds a tour over the fall from September to December where the president of the Ontario Medical Association goes around from community to community, visits with doctors, gives them an update not just on the OMA, but also finds out what is going on in their communities. Now, I've beefed it up a lot more this year. I'm making more stops, north, south, everywhere in Ontario um, that I can, making community stops, clinic stops all that sort of thing to get a better sense of what's going on with healthcare. We know healthcare was a priority during the election. That has not gone away. So I want to know, as of today, what is going on in Hamilton? Oh, and, and you're going to be meeting with a number of people in that regard. Uh, because Absolutely. it's multifaceted, Nadia. I mean, we can talk about, you know, obviously, funding, uh, hospital funding, uh, hospital possible expansion here in Hamilton. There's been some discussion about that. Uh, mm-hmm. The number of beds that are available. It, it's it's not a one-size-fits-all, isn't it, as you go from uh, town to town? Not at all. Healthcare is kind of like a giant puzzle. There are all these pieces that interlock with one another that fit to create a bigger picture. And if you only focus on one piece, like you said, Bill, you're not going to solve the entire puzzle. So we have to look at all of the pieces, how they work, and move away from Band-Aid solutions to more holistic solutions. I mentioned uh, medical marijuana, uh, recreational marijuana. Medical marijuana, of course, has been around for some time. Uh, we're only a few weeks away from that. Uh, what are the concerns of the association about, about that and the ramifications that could occur? So, as you said, recreational marijuana is recre- or recreational cannabis, as it's also called, is a totally different ballgame than medical marijuana. Medical marijuana is a very distilled substance that's sold in either pills or oil, um, and that does not produce the high that you get from recreational cannabis or recreational marijuana. Recreational cannabis has certain harms associated with it. At the end of the day, we know this legalization is happening. What we want to do, what Ontario's doctors want to do, is make sure our patients are informed so that they can make a good choice. They can make a proper decision about what they want to do with their health. It's kind of like smoking and drinking alcohol. You want your patient to be as informed as possible. I, I want to ask about the medical marijuana situation, if I could, for a second, Nadia, because we have, mm-hmm. uh, especially here in Hamilton, I mean, there's a, an opioid crisis that's national, it's international, really, I suppose, but the numbers here in Hamilton are disturbingly higher than the provincial average, so we've got some work to do on that. Uh, but there's yeah. another element to that discussion that I think directly impacts the OMA, and, and that's pain management. Uh, a number of the people that are getting hooked on this stuff right now start off very innocently in, in a pain management program, and, and obviously the addiction starts to come in from that. Uh, and medical marijuana has been described as an alternative to opioids when it comes to pain management. What's the OMA's position on that? The OMA doesn't officially have a position on it. We have a number of physicians who are members of the Ontario Medical Association who work in this field. Um, and, and a lot of them say that the evidence is slowly coming out. Right now, it's unclear what role medical marijuana has to play in pain management. We know that it has a role to play in, say, uh, management of nausea and vomiting after chemotherapy, so in cancer treatment. 
So we know there's an established role there. It's always been helpful there. We're, we're unsure where exactly it fits into the chronic pain picture. We're cautious about it because, again, we've learned, if nothing else that we've learned from the opioid crisis, you gotta, you got to take it one step at a time. You also have to look at alternative strategies to pain management that have nothing to do with medication, things that patients can do to help control their medication because things like exercise, things like mindfulness, um, meditation, swimming, Tai Chi, those have been proven to help with chronic pain management. I mean, they're, again, they're a piece of the puzzle, and they have no side effects. Well, they have I, no risks. Yeah, I, I think you and I have talked in the past about my knee replacements. I had them done a couple of years yeah. apart. The first one, I uh, didn't use a whole lot of common sense and figured, ah, rehab, who needs rehab? Uh, and it was a very painful exercise. The second one, uh, I started the rehab just after the, the replacement surgery, and it's a world of difference. You're absolutely right. I mean, getting ahead of that and being proactive as opposed to reactive is, is part of that. And, and, and that has to be part of the treatment. That has to be part of the discussion with the patient, doesn't it? Absolutely. There, is so many th- there are so many things that patients can do to help empower themselves to make good choices and to heal better. They, they don't realize that they actually have a lot of options not just medications. Medications are, again, a piece of the puzzle, but you also have all the other things. And if you use everything else, your reliance on medication decreases. It's kind of like the person who gets diagnosed with high blood pressure. If they don't exercise, if they don't stop smoking, if they don't stop drinking, if they don't live a healthier life, it won't matter how many pills you throw at them. Their blood pressure is going to be tough to control. But if they do all of those other lifestyle things, it'll actually drop their reliance on medications. They'll take more control of their life and their illness. Let me ask you about the, the, the physicians themselves, Nadia. We've had a problem and a concern here for quite some time about uh, about the number of physicians uh, per student, per population, etc. Uh, and, and we're getting sometimes conflicting reports about whether or not we're meeting those targets. Uh, are there enough doctors in, in a city, for instance, like Hamilton? I'm, I'm talking about general practitioners right now. So for general practitioners in Hamilton, there are still a number of patients in Hamilton, in the region, that do not have a primary care doctor. And and that's a huge thing. That is a shortage by definition because primary care, so family medicine, actually makes a big difference in patients' lives in terms of preventing illnesses um, and, and managing illnesses better. So once you do become ill, your family doctor is your go-to person. In Hamilton, Niagara, Haldeman, Brant, Lynn, there's about 100,000 people who do not have a family doctor. In Hamilton, the city itself, it's about 52,000. And this is from government data, so Ministry of Health as well. Um, those are troubling numbers. They really are. So, yes, there's definitely a shortage of doctors. A lot of it has to do with the current contract situation with the government. I mean, Ontario's doctors haven't had a contract now for five years. A lot of the previous government's rules made it impossible to start up family medicine clinics. So those are the kinds of things we need to change in the contract discussions with the new government. Well, you segue very nicely, Nadia, into what I was going to ask you about. And that, <laughs> the, the fact that they haven't had a contract for five years, because we've had those discussions over the last five years. Uh, new, new faces... <laughs> New faces, new people in the corner office at Queen's Park right now. Have you had any discussion about that? So I've met with Christine Elliott, the health minister. She's lovely. Um, and she, she used to be the patient ombudsman. Mm-hmm. Her focus is aligned with ours in terms of improving access to care for patients. So I'm pleased about that. 
I'm not at the negotiation table. That's really where the, the rubber hits the road. Um, and and I'm very curious to see what will happen. We're supposed to get an update soon. Right now, things are moving. It's slow. It's tough, which is, again, not surprising. The physician services budget alone is a very complex piece uh, of the healthcare budget. So we'll see. We'll see what comes out. The amazing thing is, in spite of the instability, I still see physicians going the mile. Yesterday, I was in Kitchener. I visited a refugee health center, which was a labor of love by Dr. Mike Stevenson. And, and he was fantastic. He started this clinic. He's working fee-for-service. He's seeing complex patients with multiple social needs. He's paying 75% overhead. And yet he goes back day after day after day because he loves his job. I saw the same thing when I was traveling up north from Temiskaming Shores to Perry Sound. It just inspires me. It inspires me that despite this uncertainty, physicians are still stepping up. Well, and, and it's, those are gratifying stories, and, and they are heartwarming, and we need those sorts of people. But, you know, yeah. it's, we, we're, you're also battling a myth here, too, and I'm sure you hear this, that, well, the doctors are these overpaid, they make tons of money, they take most of the, and, and, and you know, they forget the fact that if, especially family physicians are, are small businessmen. Business yep. women in the case. I mean, you know that equipment doesn't come for free from the province. Uh, the staffing has to be paid. The rent has to be paid in the building, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's a monumental financial commitment to actually open an office as a doctor, and and obviously, so when you know you talk about contracts, uh, you've got to look at at, at the, the 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 expenses, I guess, that are incurred in a situation like that, and the level of care that's given. It costs an awful lot of money, and, and obviously there's got to be uh, some reconciling with the provincial government about exactly what's going on. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know what? That myth about um, doctors not being worth their salt, it drives me crazy. It just drives me crazy whenever I hear it because I think it's not even true. And it's been perpetuated by the previous government, unfortunately. They, they added to it. Um, physicians... I mean, like I said, they go above and beyond to help their patients. Their hearts are in the right place. They're trying to do right by their patients. I'm not saying everybody's perfect. I'm a realist. I get not everybody's perfect, but everybody's in it. A lot of people are in it for the right reasons. And these office costs, they are mounting. I mean, the federal tax changes were a real hit to many physicians and their ability to save for maternity leave, save for retirement, save for bigger expenses to pay for um, their office. I mean, I, I've heard of office expenses. Well, I just told you about Mike Stevenson, how his office expenses are at 75% of his income going to that. Um, and and that's at a family doctor's rate. He, he's earning less than some TTC bus drivers, in fact, when he takes his, when he when you look at his take-home pay. Um, these These capital costs, so the costs of staffing, the costs of Everything from carpets to chairs to computers to exam tables to medical equipment for outpatient surgery, they're insane. Th- these costs just keep rising year after year. So, yeah, we're definitely looking for stability from the Ontario government. We're nervous, though. I mean, you've heard the financial report as well as I. We're all nervous. 
Well, exactly. That's one of the concerns I've got. And I know one of the things you've been advocating for for a long time, Nadia, is a continuum of care in, in our health care system. Uh, you know, we always tend to think of hospitals, and that's primary care, but uh, support services like ta- long-term care facilities, hospice care, uh, at-home care, that sort of thing. Uh, a lot of governments talk the talk, and then they finally get it power, and it's just, well, we can't afford to do that right now. Uh, and it's it's really crippling the system. It really is. And there are costs to not addressing these needs. For patients, like some of my seniors who end up in hospital because they can't get into a nursing home, that's a cost of $1,000 a day. A nursing home is a fifth that amount. Like, it's a lot cheaper. So investing now pays off down the road in terms of lesser costs. And that's what makes me frustrated with the government. They're, they're focused on their current year's budget line. And, and I get why they do that. But at the same time, I wish they would understand. I feel like shaking them sometimes and saying, if you put up the money up front and actually fix the system in a, in a reasonable way, so find the efficiencies you need to, but invest where you have to, where the, the investments have to be identified. If you do that, there are savings downstream. That'll be much better. And at the end of the day, the only reason the healthcare system exists is to deliver health. If we're not doing that for our population, what exactly are these hospitals for? What exactly are these nursing homes for? Well, we have it, to serve the patients. It's our duty. It, well, exactly, and that has to be part of the discussion. I, I, I'm hopeful, uh, maybe it's wishing against what the better judgment, that, that they, this is a government that's going to sit down and listen to you. You mentioned uh, Minister Elliott, of course, who's in charge of this, who, is a, who has been a very passionate about health care in this province for quite some time during her time in public life, and as you mentioned, served as, as the patient advocate for quite some time. Uh, and you'd like to think that that's the sort of attitude that uh, they're going to bring to the table when they sit down and talk to you about what we need to do to make this a better system. Absolutely. I mean, that's the kind of attitude we need. I do have to say this, too, having sat down with Dr. Devlin, um, I'm very excited to see what he will also bring to the conversation. He did amazing things with Humber River Hospital. Um, I want him to do amazing things with the healthcare system. He is in more of a consultant role, though. He will be giving advice to Christine Elliott. Um, so I'm curious to see what that advice will be. My hope is he's going to talk to the frontline workers. Well, so exactly the, the point I was going to make. The the nurses, everybody. Exactly. And I mean, that's, that's where you get your best information. They're the ones that are on the front lines, and they're the ones that see the concerns and the challenges. And that you're doing that, obviously, with your, your provincial, provincial tour, and you'd like to think that the ministry is going to do that as well. I hope so. I hope they make the investment because it's worth it. It's worth hearing the stories, and it's worth understanding and seeing how different the needs of every community are. So a one-size-fits-all solution that's created in Queen's Park isn't necessarily going to be appropriate for Timmins or for Hamilton or for Windsor. A lot of questions, not enough answers at this stage. Uh, Nadia, (laughs) I I know how tight your schedule is and how busy the agenda is during this visit, so I'm going to let you go, but I do appreciate you taking some time for us today. Always a pleasure to have you on the program and uh, come back anytime. Bill, it was a pleasure to talk to you. I hope one day we can have coffee. I'd love to do that. Okay, take care, Nadia. Right, you take care. Bye-bye. Dr. Nadia Lam, president of the Ontario Medical Association, talking to local doctors about our health care concerns and challenges here in Hamilton. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.